What's going on, guys? This is Davij Vaswani. Welcome back to another episode of LA Hustlers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It is a beautiful Monday morning, 8 a.m. here in Los Angeles, California. And uh, it's been an amazing couple of weeks. I was in Miami, went to New York. Uh, then I flew out to Tulum and Cancun. So January was definitely uh, very eventful. It's February 1st today. So what I like to do, uh, ob- before we obviously dive into our topic uh, today, which is basically you know, the lessons learned from flipping my first house, uh, you know, that was a deal that took about three months. And there's so many different things that I learned. Um, you know, I was a student of the game for that project. And uh, I just can't wait to kind of get into what I learned about that. And uh, yeah, but before we dive in, I like to kind of look back at every month and sort of see what the progress was, you know, and, and I definitely think this is something that you should do in your business, if you're not doing it already. And that is kind of looking at, you know, month by month, sort of what goals were hit, what are some of the things that you need to step up on, you know, is your content game on point? Uh, How many deals are you actively doing, whether you're doing real estate deals or other deals? Uh, Personally, for me, I run a a company called DIV Management, where we do a lot of uh, influencer and brand partnerships. So, you know, brands like Gymshark, Manscaped will come in and, you know, allocate a budget for us to kind of put through to, to our influencer talent. But uh, you know, there's that, and then I've got my house flipping deal. So I just kind of wanted to sh- share some of the uh, things that I learned in January, some of the things that happened. So, you know, top of the year was in New York, flew out to Miami, traveled a little bit, went to Tulum and Cancun, as I mentioned, um, but obviously was working. I had Wi Fi everywhere I went, which was obviously great. Um, but there was a lot of things. I closed escrow on my first flip project out in Redlands, which is a very, very amazing experience, obviously, which is what we're talking about today. Uh, closed over $1.25 million in influencer brand deals. Uh, we've grown our team from zero last year now to upwards of 10 uh, for DIV management, which is amazing. And we're ga- we're growing even, uh, uh, even more here shortly. So Excited for that. We've got e-commerce projects that have launched, divisionclothing.co. Uh, Mellow is coming. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to speak on it yet because it's in the works, but it's going to be here very, very soon. Um, and, you know, yeah, just building that team, I think, was the biggest highlight for me, seeing the world a little bit more and not being cooped up in my, you know, my four walls here in, uh, in Los Angeles. So it's definitely great to kind of get out and, and see the world, but also stay working. But anyways, yeah, that's just some of the stuff that's happened for us in January. It's crazy because all of last year we did about a million bucks, a little bit less than a million in uh, influencer brand deals. And we've already done more than that just in January alone. And that kind of shows the importance of team and Uh, you know, just the power of people and what it can kind of bring to the the organization. So anyways, guys, I want to dive into this this topic. So I really wanted to kind of share some of the key takeaways that I learned from my first flip. Uh, If you guys want to pull up the property, it was uh, 339 Mitchell Way in Redlands, California, 92374. So this is a property, you know, my partner Lena and I had kind of been uh, looking at a bunch of different deals and trying to figure out kind of what was, you know, the right one for us. We we're putting out a lot of offers and she had uh, done a couple flips. This is going to be my first for myself. Uh, so this was definitely a, a key one for me to kind of, you know, just learn from regardless of if I made money or not. And that's what I also want to get into is sort of the um, the end result of the project, what I learned, how much I made, you know, I'm going to kind of put it all out on the table. So So yeah, guys, welcome back. So today we're talking about my first flip project out in Redlands, California. I wanted to kind of give you guys the insight into sort of what it was like buying the first house ever at 24 and sort of the biggest takeaways that I had uh, during the property, during the process of of flipping the project. So to kind of give you guys just the entire uh, sort of uh, understanding of what happened, right? The first thing that actually happened was 
uh, my partner Lena and I, now Lena's actually a lot older, she's in her 70s or 80s, and she's been flipping houses for quite a while. So she was definitely the more experienced and more seasoned, seasoned uh, investor out of both of us. But um, for me, this was really my first flip. So I had to kind of go into it and be super, um, you know, just super like be like a student of the game, almost like fully just kind of engross myself, you know, be there with my fucking notebook all the time and sort of just like take everything in. And, and I think the biggest thing for me was trying to figure out how I could sort of iron out the problems that I was going to because I knew there was going to be hundreds and hundreds of problems. But I was like, how do I kind of like you know, take these problems, find the solutions so that moving forward when I'm building systems around, you know, getting to a place of flipping five to 10 houses at a time, you know, you're gonna have to hire out a lot of different people. You gotta have all the investors, you know, the lenders, the right team, the contractors, everybody and sort of, you know, if you're having problems in, in the first project, you're gonna have them on the next 10, right? So how do you sort of iron out those, those problems initially? So that's kind of what my biggest thing going into it was. I wasn't really concerned about actually making money. It wasn't really about, you know, uh, making a profit, which, you know, I'm going to kind of get into sort of, you know, what was the money that I actually made on the deal. Um, so anyways, I want to kind of back it up. So the first thing was finding the deal. This was back in October of 2020, obviously mid pandemic, um, doing my first flip was definitely intimidating. I was like, you know, cause at that point I had sold maybe four to five houses, but I wasn't sure if I was really ready, uh, cause I was putting in quite a bit of capital, you know, just of my own. Uh, and I was also uh, raising money from family and friends for the actual purchase of the property, right? Because when you buy a property, you know, that property, we purchased it for 375K. You're not putting in 375K of your own money. You have to go out and raise the rest from a cash investor. You could use hard money, you know, private money. Um, there's a lot of different ways you could go about it and also talk about the different financing options. But we went the route of doing a cash investor at a low interest rate. So, you know, we did, uh, the purchase price was 375. And before I even actually get into that, it was like, we, I think had maybe 10 to 15 offers out before we even locked in, um, anything. Right. So like we had like, yeah, like I think it was like 12 offers and everything was just getting rejected. Cause you're competing with a lot of different cash investors, people that have, you know, five, 600 K sitting in the bank that they literally have ready for their next project. Like, you know, when you don't have that kind of money and you're just using, you know, you're basically getting a loan with hard money, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, in our case, we actually were a cash offer. So we weren't going the hard money route of, you know, high interest rate loan. We were literally just, um, you know, leveraging the cash. So we technically we were cash buyers, but the issue was I was not experienced and I was a little bit hesitant, right? So I was kind of a roadblock for us initially, but sort of what happened was, you know, we found this property, we actually put in our offer 25K over asking. So the, the asking price I believe was around three, uh, 350 or something like that. And we bought it for 375. So I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned initially was uh, you have to be competitive with your offers. You know, a lot of times the way that the mar you know, the way that the agents will price the properties is they'll kind of start uh, super low, right? So if the, if the market value of the property is 300K, they'll list it at 250 because they know that it's going to cause, you know, sort of a bidding war, right? So that was the biggest thing initially was like, um, you know, we, we felt weird. I felt weird offering 25,000 over the asking price, but, you know, based on the other 10 rejected offers, that was sort of what I learned was like, you have to kind of just be competitive. So anyways, we went in, we offered 375 and, uh, they did a, a counter. We got it accepted. Uh, we got all the terms ironed out as like a 3% EMD. EMD is an earnest money deposit. So you have to sort of uh, deposit money in escrow to open escrow. Um, so initially, so we use portfolio escrow, which is Douglas Elliman, which is my brokerage. It's their preferred, um, their preferred escrow company. And they were great. Big shout out to Maria and uh, Anna and the whole team. But um, 
I think that was, so, you know, we got into escrow. This was in October. Uh, it was a pretty quick escrow. I think it was like 10 days, obviously, because when you're doing an investment project, you sort of like everything, everything that you're doing, you're kind of just like fighting, you're fighting against the clock, right? Like the, the whole, the whole thing, especially mid pandemic was we wanted to get in this property, like get in there, fix it up and get out. Right. So when we actually made our offer, we actually said, you know, contingent upon, uh, once we open escrow that we can actually get our team of contractors actually in the property to like begin the work immediately. So the seller was hesitant. There was actually um, a bunch of crap going on with the seller. So the seller was an elderly woman actually being abused um, by her caregiver. So there was like a restraining order against the, you know, the caregiver. Um, there was, I mean, if you guys look it up, the property is 339 Mitchell Way in Redlands, California. If you go back and look at the old listing, you'll see the pictures of the property. I mean, it was in terrible condition. Like you know, people, I think there was like holes in the wall cause the dude is probably punching it. There was like syringes in the attic. Um, it was a pretty, you know, pretty intense, uh, situation. So the seller said, no, unfortunately, like you have to wait until you close escrow. So that was the biggest thing for me initially was like, damn, like I really wanted to get our team in the property to like start. Right. So we couldn't do that, which was fine. We lost a little bit of time, but uh, actually, let me talk about this real quick in terms of finding the actual team, right? Like I had never flipped a property in Redlands. My partner, Lena, never flipped a property in Redlands. So we were kind of trying to figure out, you know, how do we line up the, the few important things initially, right? So I think I've talked about this before. The biggest things that you guys want to line up when you're looking at a flip is the financing. So are you doing hard money? Um, are you going cash? The second thing is the actual team of, of workers. Are you using a licensed GC, which is a licensed general contractor? Are you going the route of handymen? You know, and we kind of did a mix of both. Uh, obviously, handymen are going to be cheaper than using sort of a, you know, a licensed GC. So we went the route of using, uh, of using the handyman. And we actually found these amazing guys, JNS contractors, big shout out to Johnny, who, uh, you know, they did work of a licensed GC, but they weren't licensed. So we, uh, we ended up, you know, bringing out maybe five to six different contractors to the property once we were in escrow. Um, you know, we took their quotes. And initially, our goal to kind of tell you guys about the spread was to purchase it at about 375, put in about 20K. So really just minimal, you know, simple rehab, cosmetic only, because the kitchen was already sort of completed. All we really wanted to do was change out the flooring, um, paint everything, you know, fix up the sunroom that was in the back. And like, um, that's pretty much it. Like, that's really all we wanted to do. But obviously that's not how it goes. So I'll get into kind of what we actually ended up spending. But our spread was, you know, we wanted to buy it. We bought it at 375, 20K sort of rehab. And then 475 was our exit point. So that's about 100K spread minus expenses, closing costs, et cetera, right? So we were thinking maybe we'll make, you know, 20, 30K a pop between me, my partner and our investor. Plus, you know, my partner and I would make um, money from the commissions of the purchase of the property plus the sale of the property. So that was the key for me was being the agent, you know, I could, I could save money on that front. So that's why I was, I kind of convinced myself that it was okay to pay 25 K, you know, above asking. So anyways, uh, uh, where were we then? Uh, let's see. So anyways, yeah. So we got the contractors in, we started getting quotes, the quotes from the, um, the contractors kind of ranged from like, you know, 30 K to like 60 K when it was a GC, cause they charge a lot more for their work. Plus we wanted it done quick. So, everything was like 30 to like 60 K. And we were like, you know, this is ridiculous. Cause we really wanted to get in, get in and out, like at 20,000. So we ended up finding Johnny. I think they came to us and they said, you know, it's going to be 25 K or something. And then we actually ended up 
just cutting out a bunch of the work to get it down to like nine grand, right? So we got him in nine grand, we got him in the property, started doing the work. We also had a different team for the doors, the attic panels, for the backyard, the gardener. Um, there's a lot of different you know, areas of work that needed to be done and we needed different people for that. So my biggest thing was using Yelp, literally just using Yelp and trying to find like the best workers, looking at the reviews, all that stuff. So that was the biggest thing. <clears throat> the second thing that was, the other thing that was a really big challenge for me was the property was in Redlands. I live in LA. That's like an hour and a half drive, right? So I was spending a lot of time out at Redlands. Big shout out to Efren who let me stay at his place a couple times. There was even a couple nights where I had to get a hotel because I didn't want to drive back. Uh, you know, traffic is like two hours. So if I could actually go back, I would I would do a, a flip closer to LA. Um, because, but you know, it's uh, it's more pricey out here. Obviously, it's a higher entry level. So that's where it kind of made it you know a little bit more difficult. But um, anyways, yeah, so we got them in the property. They started doing the work. Oh yeah, we closed escrow. Um, you know, we got the keys, super exciting. Probably my first house, obviously I was pumped, but um, now like the stress began, right? Cause we're like fighting against the clock with COVID. We're like, shit, when's the market gonna drop? Like all this crazy stuff's going on in the stock market, politics. You know, we weren't sure if everything was just gonna, you know, just burst and like we would just lose our shirt, right? So, you know, we, uh, we got in, we did the work, it took us about a month. Uh, to get everything completed. Uh, I think early December is when we listed the property. Now this was right before Christmas. So in hall, in real estate, you kind of just think of it seasonally, right? Like people in December are like spending time, November, December, it's, you know, uh, end of the year, people are like traveling for the holidays. No one's really looking at buying, not people are looking at buying houses, but obviously in the summer, you're more likely to like get more volume in terms of buyers. The good thing that played in our advantage though is mortgage rates are obviously at their all time low. So you do have more buyers just because of that, right? So we, uh, what's it called? We uh, listed the property, we listed it at four, I think it was 475, which was our, our plan initially. But to kind of tell you guys about the cost, um, total, the rehab cost cost us about, uh, shoot, what was it? I think about 30 to 35 K. So we bought it at 375. We put in uh, 35 K plus between me and my partner, Lena, plus we had put in uh, 5% each. So 10% down payment. So I had put in about 19 K of my own money plus about 15 for the rehab. So that was about, uh, what is that? Uh, like 34 K each. So she was in 34. I was in about 34. And then our investor was obviously in the rest, like the 342,000. Um, so just basically looking at it from the point of like our cost, right? So our cost of 375 plus about 35,000 in rehab, we're already up at like 410. And if our exit point is 475, like that's already a very slim margin. And that's not even taking into consideration closing costs when you, when you sell the property, you have to pay escrow title insurance, home warranties, like all these things add up, right? Commissions, et cetera. So we were kind of a, at a point of like, shit, like we're probably only going to make 15 to 20 K for Lena. It was a bummer, not a bummer, but like she obviously wanted to make a lot more for me. It was, it was fine. Cause I was happy to even just like break even on my first deal. But uh, anyways, we ended up getting into escrow. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think we had to cancel it cause the buyers, it was first time buyers. I think they backed out and that happens all the time in that, you know, as a realtor, you'll kind of just like, you'll, you'll kind of just deal with it as it comes. And you kind of have to like, there's ways to save deals, but sometimes you have to realize that like the effort has to come from all parties. You know what I mean? Like you can't be so pushy to, um, to like 
convince somebody to go buy a house that they don't want anymore, right? So that was the one thing we dealt with was a, a canceled escrow. Then we got back into escrow. Uh, and the next challenge was the contingencies, right? So if you guys don't know what contingencies are, there's three main contingencies in an escrow um, period. Those are the inspection contingency, the loan contingency, and the appraisal contingency, right? So what does that mean, right? It basically means that you know when a buyer gets into a, a contract with a seller, um, they have to like go do their due diligence, right? So they have to get their inspector out there. Typically, they'll have seven to ten days to do the inspection. And let's say something comes up, let's say there's a faulty foundation or there's like a massive termite issue. Uh, before they remove those contingencies, they have the right to get their deposit back even if they cancel escrow because of those things, right? So the, the issue for buyers becomes when you remove all your contingencies. So let's say you've done your inspection, you've done your appraisal, um, you know, your loan's been conditionally approved and you decide, you know what, we're closing on the property, let's remove all our contingencies. And then for some reason, something comes up and you as the buyer decide that you don't want to pursue the project, the property anymore. You've then put your EMD at risk, your earnest money deposit, which will likely get uh, taken then by the seller. You know, sometimes you have to go to mediation, arbitration, whatever. But um, we got to a point where the inspector came out from, you know, on our second escrow, they did the inspection and, um, there was a lot of like really minor stuff, right? So at that point it came to, do we want to do a seller credit where we're actually giving the buyers credit for those repairs so that when we close escrow, they could just take that money and do the repairs themselves. Or would it have been more cost effective to just do the repairs and just like pay for it, you know, instead of giving them a credit, right? So for us, it made more sense to actually just do all the repairs. Cause it was like a bunch of, it was like literally like 50 minor things, like small stuff, like, uh, like electrical out repairing electrical outlets stuff like that. So uh, we ended up paying like fifteen hundred bucks or something for the um, for those repairs, which is actually pretty great. Like we thought it was gonna be like five six grand, but we got it done cheap. And then um, we then so they removed the inspection contingency. The next thing was the appraisal contingency, which is the appraiser has to come out and sort of give you know their value on the property. They have to use um, the sales comparison approach. They look at the different comps in the areas. Um, so this was our biggest concern because Redlands is an area where, you know, market, the values of the properties are right now are going steadily up, but like, you know, 475 is definitely like not conservative, right? So it ended up appraising, uh, at 465, which is about 10 K under our, uh, under our, um, you know, our, our asking price. So that became the issue next of, you know, the buyers, obviously with their bank, their bank was Chase, Chase Bank. They didn't, the lender's not going to uh, finance a property above the appraised value, right? Because if it's worth 465, why would they, you know, finance up to 475? So then the buyers came back and said, hey, we want to reduce the asking price to the appraised value of 465. So now Lena and I came to a point of like, do we want to actually, um, I'm recording a YouTube video, which is why I'm not looking at you guys, just FYI. But we got to a point of like, do we want to actually like, do, like, do we want to reduce the asking price or I'm sorry, the purchase price to 465 or do we want to, you know, uh, try and counter the appraisal? So maybe there was some things in the appraisal that weren't correct or that could have been manipulated or that you know, just were false or whatever. But we actually, from myself working in hard money for the last year and a half, um, like I know a lot about appraisals and sort of like what to look for and how to know if it's really accurate. Cause at the end of the day, an appraisal is just an opinion of one person. 
Um, that's obviously very seasoned and licensed to do that, but uh, we ended up looking in depth at the appraisal and there was actually nothing really wrong with it. Like they, you know, the comps checked out, he, he used the right comps, all the comps were within like a half a mile from the property, you know, similar size, similar um, sort of quality of work, et cetera. So we decided, you know, we just wanted to kind of get out of the deal. Like we wanted to literally just close escrow, get our money and get out. Um, so we, we brought it down to 465, and then the last thing was the loan contingency. And this is kind of where things get like stressful because you're like, you know, you're so close to closing. You're like a week out or like 10 days out. But the bank is kind of like silent, you know, because they have to, the bank has to do their underwriting. They have an underwriter internally that has to go through sort of um, the file and look at the buyers, make sure that they're qualified, look at the bank statements, the income, the, you know, their uh, jobs, et cetera. So we're kind of just in a waiting period of like, you know, is the file approved? Is it not approved? And then to make it even worse, you know, when the the lender representative, whoever's working at the bank, doesn't respond to your emails, isn't picking up the phone, doesn't respond to texts, you're kind of just left in the dark. Um, and this was interesting for me because, you know, I, typically I'm representing the buyers and sellers. I'd never actually been the actual seller of, or, or owner of the property. So I was now dealing with the stress of being the seller, but also of being the agent, right? So like, a lot of this as me being the agent was in my hands uh, to like try and navigate the deal and get it closed. Um, but then there was also the stress of like actually owning the property, right? So that was interesting, but ended up just kind of being clear. We got the file or uh, the file got cleared like a couple days late. So we had to give them an extension. Uh, but yeah, we ended up closing escrow. Uh, this was about a week ago. Uh, for 465, we again we bought it at 475. So our overall profit was actually pretty slim. It was about 16,000 collectively, right? Um, but the great thing was, so just to kind of break it down, like we made 16k with our investor. We gave them a third of the profit of the profit split. So they made five to six grand uh, on the profit. We also paid them 5% interest per month. So they made about 1500 bucks per month while we were holding the property. So they got about a three to 4% return on their money, which obviously, you know, better than sitting in the bank, but, uh, and obviously <laughs> our investor also was, uh, not doing so hot in the stock market. So for him, it was like three to 4% is, is a, is a great return. So he was happy at the end of the day, you know, I made my five to six K on the profit plus my money back, obviously from, uh, the down payment, plus the, the rehab costs, so about 35K, plus the profit, plus the buy and sell commission. So for me, this deal was actually great because like, A, I learned a shit ton, right? Like I, I connected with all the contractors. I figured out how to actually use a cash investor, um, you know, uh, just like being at the property, like seeing everything happen. Like I learned so much from that. And then also like, you know, we, uh, we made money on the commissions, right? So about 12 grand on the sale and then about eight or nine on the front end. So, you know, I walked away with maybe 50 K, so maybe like 20 K in profit. And then my partner walked away with about the same. So that's kind of how the first deal went. I mean, it was definitely like a crazy, a crazy process. And I think now my biggest question is like, is this a, a good, which I'm, I'm figuring out and I'm looking at deals, but it's like, is now a good time to get into, into another deal or should we wait until kind of like the year point of when COVID started, because that's when you got all the loan forbearances and all that like stuff happening. So 
that's kind of how the first flip went, guys. If you guys have any questions about that, make sure you guys reach out to me, or if you guys have any uh, comments or like questions or whatever, feel free to hit me up. But yeah, definitely a, a fun process for sure. I'd say the next deal that I'm gonna do is definitely gonna be in LA, just because you know I'm gonna be closer to it. Because driving out to Redlands was fucking aw like it was awful, you know. So. Um, yeah, guys, that's it for this video. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys subscribe, smash that like button, turn post notifications on, and uh, make sure you guys go check out the podcast, LA Hustlers. We got some really amazing guests coming up real soon. Um, so yeah, take care, guys. I'll see you guys soon. Peace.